You're listening to episode 295 of the Major Issues Podcast, and in this one, I try to cure my origin story-itis by watching Amazon Prime's Invincible Adam Eve special. The Major Issues Podcast starts right now! Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you each and every week by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am joined by the astonishing, the fantastic, the amazing, the downright uncanny A-Rob, the Marvel God. Uh, let the people know how you feeling. It's been a minute. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's been a hot minute, actually. Yeah. How's everyone feeling out there in comic book lane? Uh, it's it's been going pretty okay. <laughs> um, the okay, last yeah, episode that it. we did, the last episode we did, um, I was talking in great length about what I perceive to be a bit of a origin storyitis, and we're gonna see if if we can cure it. Uh, with the topic of today's episode, which is uh, Adam Eve, the the Invincible special that has come out that is trying to whet our appetites for Invincible yes. Season 2, which doesn't drop until November 3rd. Uh, releases are going to be few and far between as we continue to deal with this writer strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. But the only person that knows a little bit more about that than me is the man who has scoured the entirety of the multiverse looking for the newest and hottest ladies and greatest things to come to rumors speculation castings and more so i will surrender the podium to a rob the marvel god who i believe has a bit of news what's going on out there in the world a rob man i got news coming from all parts of the globe and all things comic book related and all things nerddom i got news about star wars disney marvel a little bit of dc like but we're about to get into it with star wars first at the time of this recording episode three of ahsoka has dropped time to fly if you guys didn't mm-hmm. know and man the the show it it's going for me it truly is it's the episode three titled time to fly third episode you guys little bit of, now I don't say a spoiler, but it's basically the episode shows how Hera is going to work trying to convince the New Republic Senate that Imperial mm-hmm. Loyalists had a dangerous new cause to rally behind the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn. That's all y'all getting from that me. Thrawn, the Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. That Thrawn, the Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Now, <laughs> but, I have heard that there's been a bit of a hesitation by some viewers to watch this series. People were seemingly burned out really? somewhere along the line by Star depending on what expectations were. You remember the the mixed bag that was Kenobi. Um, I dug oh, it. Yeah. There was people that had very hard opinions when it came to that. Mando season three had its detractors as well. Uh, they felt that it had become the Bogotan show and it became a whole thing about that, remember? Um, so yeah. there's been some trepidation here. Have you seen it? Have you felt it? And what do you think? It, uh, do you think this series is the answer to that kind of stuff? I think it truly is, since Ahsoka is one of those beloved characters of Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. a good character for us to rally behind and a good jumping off point for the new trilogy of movies that the show is setting up with Grand Admiral Thrawn. And you guys who've read the books or the novels, they're adapting the dark, uh, for like what's it called, Darkness Rising uh, trilogy of books. They're loosely mm-hmm. adapting it, just like Marvel adapts their books for the movies and comics and whatnot. 
So I and right now I've seen pretty good fanfare. The first episode got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Second okay. episode following strong, and the third episode is really grown. Like Ahsoka's grown on me. The first two episodes, I really didn't. I wasn't digging the the stoicism with her. She was really stoic. It was like you know snips. Okay. You know, yeah, but yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot's happened, a lot's changed. She's gone on a journey. She's a whole Ronin now, and now in episode three, a little bit of like spoiler, it, is, it feels like it's Rebel season five almost, just a continuation of their story. And I'm here for it all, but um, yeah, no, the show is really just growing on me as a whole. Like it's really just leaning into Ahsoka's all her strong points and all her strong traits as a character. And I can't wait to see what they do with her with the next three episodes. Yeah, I did. I did hear that the the third episode really starts to focus on the dynamic and the um, like the dynamic of the team starts really fleshing out uh, all the other characters and making them. You you start to really realize everyone's role, why everyone's yeah. important, and 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 how how they all come together, and that's that's super um, that's super important. I wanted to mention, uh, did you hear that they're supposedly be they're supposedly doing a Pokemon live action drama in Japan? I have. I <laughs> literally just saw that. And I'm if they get Ryan Reynolds to voice Pikachu, then that series is gonna do so good. <laughs> Why a drama? <laughs> I I when they said a Pokemon drama, I thought about it. Like what if Pokemon existed in our world. Like, imagine a giant beedrill, like a beedrill. Yeah, yeah. A giant hornet, or a lava monster, or a his mud glasses. Monster. He can't see without his glasses. Beedrill got just, him. Yeah. <laughs> beedrill don't got it. Yeah, it'd like, be a scary I, freaking world, man. Like, so I can see like the the real worldness, for like a better words, with Pokemon. It could be a good drama, like you know, Pokemon eat Pokemon. That's not in the yeah. show, but that's in life. Animals eat other animals. They they did yeah. a little bit in season one where we saw a Gyarados eat a magic carp. That's just like big fish eat little fish. <laughs> yeah, and is it like slow poke tail, like a delicacy or something like that? I yeah. Heard. Yep, Toros. Toros meat is really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so messed up. Uh, so it says that the new Pokemon series will tell the story of Madoka Agaki, a recent college graduate who quits her job in a port town to move to the bustling city of Tokyo. It's there that Madoka joins an advertising agency focused on adventure. As she begins working, Madoka finds herself disillusioned by life in the city, but things take a turn when her mom sends her a care package. The box contains Madoka's old Game Boy with Pokemon Red included, and the heroine nice. soon discovers some important life lessons from the hit game. So wait, there's not even Pokemon? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Game Boy? <laughs> That's what it is? Is this, about to, be, is this about to be like one of those, is she about to get isekai into the game? <laughs> I that I thought that that's what, like I thought that that's what that would be. It'd be funny as hell because they could just do it all sixteen bit. That's gotta cost what like a dollar fifty now. Right, <laughs> they could I'll do watch the, it. Okay, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey man, when they start playing all those uh those jingles again from that game, I'm gonna get thrown right back. Man, uh, if, if if the show starts off with da 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 yeah. <laughs> this is <perturbing. laughs> all the text and then oh, boom meet a monster and just <laughs> oh man no that that show is going to bring all the nostalgia if they do it right i have faith in japan japan doesn't really like miss when it comes to like okay let me let me back up 
<laughs> Live action adaptations of anime have been like hit and miss, but they've been going going upward lately. But like, yeah. hold on, I had to slow down for a sec. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Um, yeah, I guess that gives you gives an older generation an opportunity to see like their versions of heroes. You know, in a more dramatic setting, in a more adult setting, and it'll it'll kind yeah. of pull to the nostalgia. I mean, I'm gonna look at this. I want to see how when they decided to make this, when this was decided to be developed, because I, this feels Barbie adjacent in terms of like taking a property and sort of using it to kind of explore your own stuff here. But uh, hey, women are getting the job done, so I'm not even mad. Um, an- another woman getting the job done. Zendaya says she wants to play a supervillain. You think the girls got the chops? What do you think? What do you think she oh, can yeah. do? I think can't she be got Marvel, it. right? It would have to be DC. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfor- I mean, it could multiverse her. There's been some yeah, evil variants of Mary of a MJ. <laughs> Mary Jane. Every time I hear that, I think of him screaming it in the animated series. <laughs> it's Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Uh, yeah, we've not really seen her play villainous roles before. Oh, um, she's and, she's playing angsty characters, you know, broken characters, angry characters, but not a villainous character. Oh yeah, that would be the darkest would probably be her character in Euphoria, um, who is like yeah. drug addled and and going through those kind of uh, addictions and stuff. But yeah, I think that I think she's got the chops. Um, oh yeah, definitely. But uh, hold on, right. I got some. Speaking of more chops, more chops, more chops on the grill, <laughs> more chops on the grill. As a, in addition, if you guys didn't know, in addition to Nicolas Cage coming back as Ghost Rider, Jennifer Gardner also returning as Elektra in Secret Wars. I don't know. I just want to throw that back out there because I just no, recently... No, I guess that makes sense because they, they've already been confirmed. Well, at least she's been confirmed for Deadpool. Right? Yeah. So, like, now confirmed for Secret Wars. And just watching, I just recently just rewatched Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she got an Electra movie, but I can definitely see the character come back again, just as like a redemption. Just, yeah. just bring her and Evanescence. <laughs> yep, just doing her uh, her technique, her unique technique with the sandbags and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> playing Evanescence in the background. Um, right, that's all it's funny. Want. It's funny that we're getting more and more stuff confirmed for Secret Wars because I, last I checked, I think they might have dropped both. Is it directors or screenwriters for those properties? They drop both uh, directors. directors. My hope is right? that they bring it back to Russo brothers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my man. I mean, they're, they're, they those guys are kind of like chilling. It would really they would have to really bring the bag over because it's a lot to handle. Oh, yeah. The um, all those properties. You got to think it was difficult in 2019, but even more difficult now, given the amount of projects and time that. Cause oh yeah. The whole the whole math is something along the lines like phase four um in length as far as all the television shows, movies and stuff like that, is more than phases one, two, and three combined, is what I heard. Yep. Three uh, times bigger. <laughs> right. And somebody, whoever heads these Avengers movies, these ensemble films, will have to have kept track of every single component to not break continuity and for it to make sense and have the tone of every character. You know, and getting all that right. That's a hell of a headache. Uh, if you've never That's done it before. Job. That's a whole right. workload. So Ooh. I'll be very interested in seeing what happens um, when it comes to that. And now the latest thing is that the most recent film that will be coming out, The Marvels, is set to have uh, 
107 minute runtime, the shortest runtime since the, the Incredible Hulk. Shortest. And I'm really hoping for that, you know, and that's probably in addition to that's probably because of the um the edits that they had to do in the reshoots. I do remember that they were talking about that they did edit out a lot of the dance numbers from the movie. And you know, if you've uh, seen a Broadway production or any kind of musical, those dance numbers can be 12 to 15 minutes long, 20 minutes probably, like a whole scene. And they they cut a lot of that out of the movie because you know, if you guys don't know from the synopsis or the uh, the trailer, the movie takes place not only majority, but on a dance planet, a planet of just, just <laughs> chill funny. dancers and whatnot. <laughs> so they cut a lot of those uh, dance numbers out to really focus on the characters and. You know, basically saying that it's is kind of like Miss Marvel season two for Imana Villani. Yeah. And a starting off point for Captain Marvel in the greater landscape of the MCU and introducing Monica Rambo like as Photon. You know, so heavy heavy a lot to do on the cosmic side and telling a good story at the same time. I guess I'm a little confused as to whether or not I should take this as a leap of faith and the cutting the wrong time. Have they learned the lessons of, let's say, a Thor, Love, and mm-hmm. Thunder? Or is this a knee-jerk reaction to things like um, the very vocal outcry of people who dislike things like She-Hulk, other female-led Marvel stuff like Miss Marvel when it had came out? I, I, I'm, I hope they didn't lessen our women in an effort to meet the incels halfway. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. I feel that. And I hope it's not too. I'm really leaning. They need on incel like, money too, bro. You don't get to two billion without incel money. You get to one billion. We saw that with Ms. Marvel. I mean but Captain Marvel. But if you want right, that two billion, that. you need everybody to be down. So yeah, right. I think that's interesting. I mean I'm really hoping I'm really leaning towards uh the quality over quantity because of the yeah. mixed fanfare reviews that phase four has gotten and Phase five to start in getting with Quantum Mania. You know, Guardians was amazing. Guardians has never missed. But everything right. else that's come out, it's like it's been like and eh, the mixed fanfare review, basically. Not five I, stars across the board. So I, I really thought, just Did you see Blue Beetle? Uh I, I still have not to this day. I think it's okay, but the film is three hours it's three hours long. These it's two hours long, and I think that's a bit long. For Blue Beetle? I can see that for for origin story, definitely. I can see that being a little bit too long. But if, if there were, what was the goal for the movie? I mean, I don't. Y'all recovered it, but like, no, no, it's cool. Like, can... some stuff. No, there's not really a goal. It doesn't really talk about any other superheroes. It doesn't establish much of much besides the idea that Ted Cord exists. Um, oh, okay. and Ted Ted Cord is lost. Um, uh. Or he's presumed to be dead is what I'll say while keeping it, you know, trying to keep it spoiler free um, in case people haven't seen it because they haven't been able to advertise it because of the writer's strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. Um, So I thought it was a a perfect standalone origin story, but I think we've seen enough of these that it's hard to watch it without saying, seen that before, seen that before, you know, seen that before. And the villain is the superhero has a superhero's powers but you know not perfected because of the see iron monger iron man sort of uh, <laughs> see ant-man see blue yellow jacket <laughs> bro there's a scene and this i'll say because i don't think it ruins anything but there's a scene in which the villain 
uh, is shown a PowerPoint presentation that she made, like a, like a video presentation of like, with this tech, we can make an army of super soldiers capable of doing, like it's almost the exact yellow jacket presentation <laughs> that they show. And I look around to see like no one else noticing this. Um, great performances and stuff. It, it's, it's an incredibly safe movie is what I'll say. And for some people, safe, safe equals solid, 100%. That's what I'm saying. For some people, whatever. But like, we've seen some of the highest highs when it comes to the adaptations of of this medium. And I'm I, I'm kind of looking for something a bit more daring, a bit more. Um, I feel like across the Spider Verse was the that. opposite of safe. You know, so like even like even kind of focusing on Gwen a bit more than Miles in that. You know, like that was a that was a risky move. Again, because people could just be pulled that straight up out of it. And then leaving it in a cliffhanger, another risky move. But I'm I'm looking for more daring. I feel like we've been at this game now for about 20 years. If you want to even count, you know, like the X-Men series, the Spider-Man series and all that kind of stuff. Now we've seen everything under the sun. We've seen ensemble films where superhero teams get together. We've seen hero origin films. We've seen villain origin films. <laughs> we've seen everything under the sun. So if you're going to come, you know, I feel like you got to kind of come correct. And you got to kind of come with a new, uh, exciting sort of uh what i what i would recommend is i really liked um mutant mayhem uh ninja turtles mutant mayhem ah. i thought mutant mayhem was exceptional because i think that they Gosh. did stuff again you watch that that that's a property that can't die turtles can't die man they those guys they've been around since the 80s they ain't going nowhere <laughs> indestructible and so many different people have put their own touches on the lore and have added elements that continue on as soon as you know other creatives choose to pick them up and use them in their own properties and stuff but watching the the it, it kind of reminded me when, when we first saw um uh tom holland play spider-man and i'm like oh a child playing peter parker like who would have thought right? like, <laughs> and, and not so a grown man similar. in leotard they actually got a teenager yeah the the turtles are voiced by teenagers and it feels weird that they're not all sounding like New York cab drivers who smoke 30 packs of cigarettes, but <laughs> it makes sense to the universe because they were always intended to be teenagers. So when they when they are being immature about pizza or name calling or any of that kind of stuff, it makes a lot more sense than, hey, yo, hey, hey, I'm walking here. Kind of, right. Kind of and that's what really stuff. made that film just like take off because they really lead into the teenage part of them. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, yeah. older older films leaned into the and even the cartoons and that animated movie they leaned into the ninja aspect. But really, what people fell in love with was the teenage aspect of them. You know, that being young again, not having a care in the world, only eating junk food and doing what you want. You know, yeah, that's what kept the, the project alive. A hundred percent. And the thing is, one of the things that made the turtles take off initially was that eighties cartoon, right? And yeah, in the right place at the Calabunga, right time, dude. Yeah, with in the right place at the right time with the right talent, you could make these cartoons, these animated uh, series, these animated characters iconic. I say all this to say, uh, sadly, the voice actress for Harley Quinn, uh, the inspiration nah. for the entirety of that character passed away, Arlene Sorkin. Um, she was a college friend of Paul Dini, the co-creator of Harley Quinn, um, and also played a ditzy clown blonde clownish character on the show days of our lives which greatly inspired um harley's actions in the series the character that became so iconic in a animated series one could even argue a throwaway character she was meant to be a henchwoman yeah. you know uh yeah. for joker 
And now That's she's Batman possibly Robin. I would argue she's possibly top ten most recognizable DC characters today in twenty twenty three. You can show that picture to somebody and say who is this person, they'll say Harley Quinn, which is bonkers Facts. because there's older characters who have existed and have been written. Way and, older. You know, and they brought up, you know, I think a lot of people if you would have showed them Ted Cord's picture, they'd be like, uh, is he the tick? Like, you know what they right? would you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't uh they wouldn't get it, but they've done a great job at keeping um, keeping Harley afloat, and it all starts at Arlene. So, um, rest in peace to a, a, a juggernaut of a, of a voice actress who basically started it all. The, all the popularity for that character, which I think is terrific. Um, I say that to also say that you know we'd all say great professional wrestler. I know we don't do that really on this podcast, but as a professional wrestling fan and a fan of all things sort of kind of fantasy, uh, we lost Bray Wyatt at the age of 36 from uh, a heart attack, uh, heart complications um, that were exacerbated due to him catching COVID. A creative juggernaut um, who really helped me through some creative uh blank spaces in my life it's so crazy to see people who love to be creative because it doesn't seem to stop it kind of flows and their only frustration is being able to focus that energy right it's always the energy right. almost bursting out of every scene whether they're a great songwriter a dancer you know a director they they're seemingly b- bursting with potential but it's about getting it and focusing it in the right places and when bray was able to do that it was some of the best television out um so he will be greatly missed but his spirit lives on through this creative uh, venture because uh through watching him talk I was uh, I gained confidence in being able to speak and speak more and speak more in public, and now I we're creeping on episode three hundred, so yeah, uh, we will continue that and every other legacy uh, that we can here as a part of the Major Issues podcast. Um, What uh, we we're not trying to stop, and I guess DC ain't either. They're saying that uh, Aquaman and Lost Kingdom is still sticking to its release date, right? Um, More so Uh. than almost any other film. I don't know what this is gonna be. <laughs> Why I... is there not a trailer? What are they scared of, bro? What are they scared of? Tomorrow or the next day? They are afraid. These... They are afraid. It's gonna be of three months numbers. away. You three know, months away. What, what else comes out in three months? What else comes out? Oh, so they're releasing Aquaman in the same around the same time as Loki season two. Well, they're doing in December, so I guess that's four months. Oh, four months. Okay, right. December nine. Okay. Nine to ten well, is one. On. Ten to eleven. No, no, no. Nine to ten is one month, right? Ten to yeah, eleven is 10, another. 10, 11, eleven to 11, twelve. 12. So that's yeah. three. It's roughly like yeah, three, three and a half months, we'll say. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, well, by then rumor. we would have had Loki, Echo, and um, the Marvels would have already come out. Yep. 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 And I think there's a there's rumor rumor has it that there's gonna be another special presentation that drops in December. In addition to that, Marvel has kind of announced that they're doing, well, besides the whole overhaul on the quality and quantity control, instead of releasing four four to five movies a year and six to seven shows, they're reducing it now to to release, going back to kind of like how phase one was, releasing two to three movies a year with two shows a year, which is a total of six to seven or six to eight projects, which is fine. That's totally, yes, not over, not too much. And not too little, the perfect amount of content. And with that, they announced five new. Well, we kind of already talked about it, but these are confirmed five special presentations that are coming out post strike. 
Remember to say that post strike right, right. <laughs> things in the oven that they're working on. Right. Uh, but confirmed uh, just on uh, what was that dude name on Twitter? I think it's uh, my my morning. My time to fresh. shine. Yeah, my time to shine. Hello. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. tweeted out that they still confirmed that Ghost Rider is still it still will be is like you know I won't say in production, but it is, it will still continue production post strike. In addition to Ghost Rider, we are also getting a Nova special presentation, which we can finally get to see what Thanos did to Xandar in Infinity War. <laughs> right, right. And keeping it cosmic, there will be also a Silver Surfer special presentation, which will come out before the Fantastic Four movie, so we could they we can get introduced into Norn Rad, how he became Silver Surfer, and then how he became the hero of the Galactus. You know, I kind of like that and, line. Keep it cosmic. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and also in keeping it, I guess, more cosmic. If you can call this character cosmic, we talked about it before. But the Mephisto special presentation is still confirmed to come out with Sasha Bowen Cohen, Sasha, Sasha Cohen, Barry. Yes, you're right. Sasha Bancon. Sasha Bancon, yeah. you're right. All right. So, yeah, it was him. And then also, in addition to that, the last one, kind of weird for me. Now, I don't say weird, but it's just the place that they choosing to release it after the fact he's being introduced. The Sentry is getting a special presentation with uh, Stephen uh, Ewan, Yin, playing, playing the character in the Thunderbolts. His special presentation will be released after his introduction in the Thunderbolts movie, which will be in 2025, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, I mean, so, the, the scale the scale is going to keep shifting so long as this strike happens. I don't think anything's set in stone anymore. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but there also, there is something that is set in stone. World War Hulk, the movie, is coming in 2026, post-strike. In addition to that, with season two of She-Hulk, I heard that that's going to cause a lot of online discourse. I don't see how. She-Hulk was the the absolute comic accurate like TV show that Disney Plus has produced. Like in terms of just like if you read a sensational She-Hulk comic or Savage She-Hulk or something, if you'd read a a current She-Hulk comic and then watch the show, you'd be like reading it, watching the show. Just like, oh, yeah, that. Yo, they got that from what? That's Jennifer's like that. Yes, Jennifer Walters is like that. If you pick up the comic and read it and watch it, yes, this is the hundred percent most accurate thing they produce. So yeah, right. I'm, I, don't, I see. I can see why. I think. I think Loki. I think Loki season two is really going to tell whether or not the audience has more room in their stomach for this because we saw a lot of drop off for Secret Invasion, um, oh, yeah. for various reasons. Uh, I think it's kind of ironic that, you know, She-Hulk made such a biting remark about how they handle the end of the films and television shows only for them to do the same thing that she kind of made fun of them for doing. So I'm hoping that they've learned some lessons. But again, if there's anything, if there's any property that seemingly is the compass for the MCU, it is Loki since the first season dropped. Um, it's kind of been setting the entire tone of the MCU with this grand idea of the multiverse, time travel, the sacred timeline, he who remains, Kang the Conqueror, Miss Minutes, et cetera, and so forth. Um, but I do think that another thing that people are rubbing up against, and I didn't think about this until like recently, is this idea that you'll see a film, it'll set up some very interesting stuff. The joke is always the celestial in the ocean, right? Like that, that, you right. know. Um, <laughs> 
And then, like, we don't address this stuff for years, like years, years. There's some of this stuff that we that has been introduced, you know, since WandaVision, and it's been two years, two years and change, and no one's, no one's kind of gotten to it. No one's kind of explained it. We still don't know what sent the Shang Shang Chi beacons, you know, a flutter. That's true. We don't know what Val's doing with the U.S. agent. We don't know what Sharon Carter is doing as the power broker. And I'm not saying that they don't mean to answer this stuff. I'm just saying, like, we kind of need something now. Because I feel like, again, they play soccer and they just kick it to the next property and say, no, just watch the next one. We'll explain it in that one. And then they don't. And then just kick it to the next property. And then so I'm I'm still wondering uh, for a, a, a lot of this stuff. But hopefully Loki has some answers. Same, because, like, you you said it, like, the phase four left at least 12 different cliffhangers or those 12 unanswered questions that we still don't know to this day, like, we, we still don't have answers for. Yeah. I do have faith that phase five will address some of these, like, in Captain America Brave New World, they will address the statue in the ocean. It's a new element. Yeah. It's a new thing. Countries want it. So there's a fight for it. Uh Eternals yeah. 2 will address that eventually in 2027 with their own standalone, not standalone, but it's self-contained story again. Like Eternals was self-contained, even though it affected the world, but no other Avenger, no heroes, no, other, no one else was involved in it, you know? Yeah. I also have a semi-mid take um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I say it's mid because I think it's, pretty, it's a pretty standard take, but I've come around to it and I, I almost feel dirty even saying it. It's this idea that <laughs> that secret invasion is okay, but it would have been better with the Avengers. Multiverse of Madness is okay, kind of would have been better with the Avengers. I feel like a lot of this Phase Four stuff, the, the the big stories that they're pulling off the shelf, were better in the original form because they had <laughs> the Avengers in it. And yeah, by trying that, to do it without that him, was the thing. Crossovers weird. <laughs> if it feels weird to do them without them, and I understand that these projects are meant to spotlight other you know heroes and characters and stuff like that but sometimes it just feels like something's missing you know and um i miss my i miss my team we haven't had a team now for what four years yeah four years since uh yeah end game yeah yep going on uh, three years three years three years no four Fred years Eggers. four years yeah 2019 four years yeah yeah, yeah. It's been four years since we had an Avengers team. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the longest, right? Because, I mean, we've had one at least since 2012. Uh, 10 yeah, years then ago. 2015 and then 2018, yeah. 2019. Yeah, this is the longest we've gone without an Avengers film. And it will still until 2025 when they split split Secret Wars into two parts. Yeah. So until 2025, that's where we, we, might, we might get a pseudo Avengers team. Actually, I just remembered that they've talked about it. There will be kind of an Avengers special presentation for Secret Wars. I don't want to say like an Avengers team, but it's like a team up special to show like where all the heroes are at and how they come together. Because there was rumored that a Kang special presentation was on the horizon. I so, think that that's incredibly interesting. I think the idea of a new set of Avengers, but not just a new set of Avengers. I think the idea of... um. Because more in the comics, the roster changes constantly. Same thing with the Justice oh, League, right? Yeah. The roster is constantly in flux. What's unique in this circumstance is that 
we kind of only have or had one team. We've had other additions to the team, but we had like one core team. The idea that any of our newbies that would have to step into those hollowed shoes, right? The statue, <laughs> the people who have given their life, you know, in the battle of, of, of New York or the battle of earth or all that kind of stuff. Like those are literally the biggest shoes to step in. And I think it would be kind of interesting to watch our new crop of heroes have to deal with, I'm not Steve, you know, I'm not Tony. I'm not, but like we got it. Someone's got to do something. So like, let's, let's get together and see how this works. Um, and I also want to see the ragtag of ragtag, uh, anti-heroes and the Thunderbolts try to (laughs) try to get on the same page and see what works there. I think that. Oh yeah. No phase five is setting up a lot of super teams, you know, young Avengers, Thunderbolts, you know, the new Avengers and, you know, the X-Men on horizon in 20, well, I'm just gonna say phase seven. <laughs> is is there any is there any um truth to the rumor of a Scarlet Witch sort of secret presentation? I've been hearing Witch's Way or Witch's. I have <laughs> seen that like they were. I have like heard rumor like I heard a rumor <laughs> that they were gonna <laughs> come out with another special presentation for the Scarlet Witch and the Witch's Way or the Witch's Road, which will segue into Coven of Chaos or Agatha's. House of Harkness or Coven It's Coven of Chaos, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's House supposed to segue into that. good, though. <laughs> right? But I think it, it would have focused way more on Agatha instead of all of the witches in general. Yeah. But it is supposed to set up how it's supposed to show how she survived what the events of Multiverse and Madness and setting off where she's supposed to go from here on out with the Kang multiversal story since she is a Nexus being, a Scarlet Witch, you know, you bring ruin everything, destroy all creation and all that. And yeah. I'm hoping that they do this story from the comics about the celestial prima donna. You know, when Kang re- went around kidnapping, uh, oh yes, 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 Harkness, yes, Mantis, and uh, Scarlet Witch, and because he wanted to like birth the most powerful being in all of creation. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm really hoping they're going that way just because, you know, all the multiversal shenanigans. And we have confirmed castings, but not what they're playing, which makes me think that they're playing fast and loose as to the direction that the show is supposed to be going in uh, Cover of Chaos. Because that was also one of those shows that when they greenlit, a lot of people were like, but why? <laughs> like, but why? You know, like a whole show about Agatha doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense until people were like, this is possibly a reintroduction of Wanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, especially when they added uh, character, um, actors like uh, Charlie Cox, Abby Plaza, you know, it, it really fleshing out and, um, and casting the characters to play her two sons. And also, Hulkling's going to be in the show. They casted the, I forgot the actor's name. I posted it on my page, y'all. Y'all can go and see it. But Hulkling is also going to be in the show, too, as um, Wiccan's uh, boyfriend. I can't wait till they say that they made up their relationship for the show. <laughs> hey, and I'm 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 for it. I'm for well, it's not been made up. If you read comics, it's been, people, yep. you, it's it's been, been there since minute, the early two thousands. Wait till like, I get a look comics. at MCU's uh Iceman. Yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all gonna trip. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Man, <laughs> like, people are gonna lose their mind when X-Men come out because then the real fans are gonna have to be like, so y'all not X-Men fans, because this is civil rights, gay rights, black rights, like all the yeah. rights. X-Men glory, like they embody that <laughs> equality. <Yeah. laughs> Every race. At least I've chosen a side. Right. Know? I've cho- 
And that, I would never forget that scene in X Men Two when the mom was like, "Have you tried not being a mutant?" Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Have you tried not being it, stupid? <laughs> and the thing is, the funny thing is, that is said to Iceman. The obvious joke is that it's a joke on like conversion therapy, like this idea that you could just right, not be gay. Um, right. You know, that you could you choose it, so you could just choose to not be it. Is the idea. And the idea that they, that Brian Singer did that moment with Iceman, not knowing that he would eventually come out as a gay <laughs> superhero, I think is ironic as hell. Because that guy had, to my knowledge, banned um, comics on set. So he had no clue <laughs> that that was going to go in that direction. I think that's pretty ironic. But yeah, man, there's still so much that the MCU has to offer. But I can't help but feel like their hands are tied either in litigation, contracts, or something that's not letting them show the true strength of their of their power and their roster currently. I do feel that. That's why when I talked about earlier about the quality over quantity and reducing the amount of content they're putting out, they're they're done with the whole two hundred million dollar budget six episode uh, format. Like they're they're chalking that. They're just going right out the door. And I really hope they go back to how they made Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Punisher, Luke Cage. That kind of quality writing, that kind of quality storytelling, not big budget. You don't need all the spectacle and CGI, just great actors giving, delivering great lines. Yeah. So, you know, instead of putting out, yeah, with, with, the, with the weight of it all, you know? Yeah. Like, instead of putting out six shows in one year, just put out two shows, both having like 12 or 15 episodes. Something good, man. Make people watch it before you put it out, too. Right? Test that. Test it with a good audience. A mixed bag audience. Fans and general audiences alike. And give us Mooney season two, please. 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 Please and thank you. That's all I want. Thank you. But uh, that's all I got on the news, though, for real, for real. (laughs) Well, let's thank A-Rob the Marvel God for bringing us the news. Speaking of season two, Invincible season two, it's on its way. Luckily, it was recorded and, uh, you know, kind of been situated before this writer strike. And rumor has it that also season three has uh, been recorded as well. So um, I don't know if animation is under the writers and screen actors guild uh, stuff. So they might still be able to. They might. <laughs> I don't know what the legal the legalese is around that. But um, we were able to get, not only are they done with season two, but they gave us a bit of a special presentation, um, a prequel episodes of sorts called Invincible Adam Eve. Um, in this special prequel episode, Samantha Eve, I'm Adam Eve Wilkins, discovers her superpowers as a young girl and must come to terms with her own sinister origins as she discovers a family she never knew that she had. Um, were you a big fan of Invincible, and were, are you excited for the prospect of Invincible Season 2? I fucking love Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> I Back in the day, back when I was like 10, 11, back in the library, I picked up a book called Invincible. It wasn't Marvel, wasn't DC. I just picked it because it said Invincible in the bright yellow letters. And I didn't know I would be a fan from that moment on until it came out with the show. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Invincible, man. It, it does something that DC and Marvel just doesn't do. That just 
it just satiates something in me. <laughs> I, I could see that. I could see that. I think it's super ironic. I mean, the, the series itself, I believe, is creeping on its 20th year anniversary. Uh, the series yeah. was created in 2003. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that it was created alongside The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead just took off first. Um, which led to that being adapted into television shows, made for TV movies, video games, comic, its own conventions. Just shows the show. The greatest content comes from comic books. <laughs> yeah. But could you imagine that writing two books and one of them literally makes you millions of dollars and you're just still getting on <laughs> doing the other one for fun in a, in a bit of a ways? Only for about 20 years after people being like, oh, wait, that book is good too. Here's a here's a uh, animated series. Here's a live action one that they're seemingly working on. So like it's almost being rediscovered for the classic that it is. And the thing is, it they I want to say it ended not too long ago, like two or three years ago, the the series Invincible. Yeah. Basically. So they have about fifteen years worth of content if they want to mm -hmm. really d delve into it. I think they probably breached the first volume in season one <laughs> or something like that. So they still have so much more to go um but when it comes to this sort of prequel episode before we get into the details of it what'd you think i enjoyed it i hold on let me let me get all my emotions together this was <laughs> a great this was a great origin story just off the sheer amount of tragedy there was but there was hope and there was courage there was hands being thrown there was monsters yeah. but Overall, I enjoyed it. I love the I love retroactive uh, storytelling when they just when a story keeps going forward. But here's a side thing or a spinoff that shows what happened before the main story. It shows yeah. about a character or something or a certain event. I love that. I love retroactive storytelling because I I enjoyed Adam Eve as a character in Invincible, and I always ask the question like, where did she get her powers from? Is she an alien? Is she a mutant? Like, what is she? Like, I had so many questions because she was so powerful. Yeah, Adam Eve, you could you literally manipulate every, what everything is made up of, even yeah. the air. So I had so many questions, and when they dropped this this special, I was like, "Thank you, thank you so much." Y'all hear me? He's he's basically like a combination Firestorm and uh, Green Lantern almost. Yeah, you know, oh, like that's yeah. OP. The energy constructs, facts. That's super. Facts. OP. I never thought um, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought about when she had the little mech suit. That just screamed Green Lantern to me when she put on the little, the little, the little mech suit. Like um, yeah. Um, obviously, the series, I believe, you know, the animation style takes heavily from anime if it's not just straight up considered anime. Um, and I think you see that the most in the uh, the villains that she faces off in, in this. Those fight scenes felt like they were straight, straight off, like some of the most gr grotesque anime horror Brutal. kind of stuff there. Um but the voice acting is still incredibly amazing. They have some incredibly dense music drops. Like, I don't recognize the songs, but whenever they Same. put like one of those sad songs in during a moment, it, it, it gives the level of emotion that I feel like it, it should. I feel like it has to. Um, and it's interesting Straight to up. see. I was having Rick and Morty moments when they dropped those, those sad yeah. songs. In, that's <laughs> in a, the show. Like, that's 100% oh. what it is. That's 100% what it is, but they, they managed to do it. Um, and Eve herself has never really been portrayed as a damsel in distress, neither in the comics nor in the show. So it was it's interesting to see um, how the character ends up developing. And I think you can watch this before you watch Invincible Episode 1. 
and it will give you a bit of a background on some of these characters and where their heads are at. Um, but I thought this was very well done. I also think that the length of it possibly helped out. It's just a crisp oh, hour. Yeah. You know, they get in, they get out. The story is told. There's not really much room for fat in this. And I think uh, that was very well done. Um, and it's weird because this is another origin story. And I spent a lot of time last week hemming and hawing over the formulaic nature of origin stories. But I don't think you should change the recipe. I think I shouldn't be able to taste it, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, it does. It does. <laughs> that's what it is. I shouldn't be able to taste it. And the most I will say this felt like something I've seen before is at in parts and in places, it, it's the one of the best versions of the Dark Phoenix <laughs> sort of <laughs> elements um, that I've seen. Uh, but if Gene had a conscience and had a little bit more of a grip on, <laughs> grip yeah. on things. <laughs> but yeah, I really, I, I really, really like this. And I really, really liked uh, how everything was done. But if you are ready, we can go ahead and get uh, fully into our recap and review of Invincible Adam Eve. Uh, let's get it. Oh, wait, hold on. Question. Sure. Uh, the I guess the dude that Cecil replaced was that mm. voice act by Lance Reddick? Reddick? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, Erickson. Erickson. Okay. Erickson. Yeah, it was voiced by Lance Reddick. Because um, as yeah. soon as I heard, I was like, "Yo, oh, rest in peace." Yeah, I think even um, the uh, Phase Two was voiced by Jacob Tremblay, who I believe has voiced. Um, Damien on the Harley Quinn show when he's like set 12 or whatever. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I knew that voice uh, sounded familiar. Yeah, that that's pretty <laughs> interesting too. They had like I was pretty surprised by um the people that they were able to get in on this cuz I believe let me see real quick. Yeah, well Stephen Young obviously, Sandro and JK Simmons that's the the um Grayson family. Um but uh Lauren Cohen is in this Walking Dead, right? They they're alum Phil right. Lamar. Obviously, Carrie Payton, Lance Reddick, Stephen Root plays Brandywine. Um, the names a... in, in the voice acting game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. So, our little special starts off with the Guardians of the Globe confronting the Lizard League. <laughs> you know, certain society. I'm about to League. say Serpent Society, the, flush, <laughs> the Royal Flush Gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lizard League is breaking into a lab looking for a serum. The Guardians are doing well, but are down a few members because of incidents occurring around the globe. They are the Guardians of the globe, uh, if you will. They mention how they called in a reservist, and Omni-Man arrives just in time to stop War Woman from being crushed by debris. Elsewhere, in a lab, a scientist ushers a pregnant woman out of the facility and into a car, and she makes him promise that whatever happens, he must look after the child. She begins to go into labor and he apologizes for what he's done to her, but we don't know exactly what that is. Suddenly he gets a call from his supervisor, Erickson, who demands he bring her to him at all costs because she is carrying an important specimen. The scientist, Dr. Brandyworth, defies his orders and brings her to a hospital instead, while her contractions cause her to blast beams of pink light from her orifices. It's got, it's got the urgency, right? It's, it's, it, the pace is up. It's, uh, we've got some mystery. Who's this woman? Who's this man? Why is she blasting out pink lights out of out of her face? Right, she about to give birth to a pink Power Ranger. What's going on here? <laughs> what do you think about Brandywine not going to back to the facility, choosing to go to the hospital? I 
I love that. I like that art with a scientist when a scientist has realized like what they're doing is finally they realize like what they're doing is unethically is horrible and they turn yeah. coat. I love that trope. I love it. I, I instantly was like, okay, we got this Professor Farnsworth, Doc Brown, Nobel Prize winner. All right, okay. How though? <laughs> yeah, and I think another interesting aspect is it, it often science often seems like the ends justify the means, right? If you right. did experiments on 50 people all to um, solve cancer and they all the 50 people die, but you done saved 50 million, then it kind of evens out kind of there. But, right. Um, we see with this, uh, with Brandyworth, that it's not worth, <laughs> it's not worth <laughs> what Oops. he's going through. He's, he's definitely going through a, a crisis of conscience. Um so and again, he apologizes for what he did to her. Which again, I'm saying they're like, what, what, what did you do to her, bro? <laughs> like, what do you right? mean what I did to you? Also, um, I appreciate the the fight that we got with the Guardians of the Globe because in Invincible they got hold entirely, and we didn't right, get to see right. what the, they're the Guardians of the Globe, but this alien just hold them. So what? What could? You, <laughs> but we finally uh, yeah. get this, this, all the abilities. I wish we could see like Red Rush in there, and you know, um, the analog for Batman, Darkwing, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hit them dope to see but the like, whole roster, but they were they were throwing hands. <laughs> like you said, it doesn't. It's not doesn't seem like much of a feat if you can't see what they're capable of, right? Uh, it doesn't seem right. like much of a feat to take them all down. But I love the little inside joke that Omni Man doesn't like to be called the reservist, or whatever, and uh, <laughs> you know. Um, War woman is like, what what else would you call them? And they're like, You obviously don't know anything about men. And she's like, It's cool, I don't need to know anything about men. Like she's, right. she's totally off. Well, she's a whole Wonder Woman analog. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh he brings her to an emergency room and warns the physicians that the woman is carrying a superhuman and they should be ready for the unexpected. Almost on cue, the pregnant woman cries out in pain and beams of pink light cause an electrical field to attack everyone in the room with her. Suddenly, Erickson and his armed men burst into the hospital only to find Brandyworth, who says the specimen didn't survive the labor. Erickson demands his men search for the bodies while Brandyworth weeps in the background. We meet the Wilkins couple, who are upset because their child died in labor, only to be surprised by a healthy baby girl they are told is their daughter. They gleefully accept this baby as their own and name her Samantha Eve Wilkins. That was a bit suspicious right like i know we don't told you that she died but here's here's a here's your healthy baby girl um i like i like that he did that so i like that he did that but i feel like doing this under false pretenses creates a lot of trauma for eve as a child hooey like, had I, they just been able to talk I, to I, them I, for a second, right? Like, I think if Brandy Ward was able to talk to them for a second, hey, listen, I understand, and I just need to watch over this, and something's going to develop when she gets older, but whatever. But, like, just leaving them on the doorstep like this, I while I understand, it did definitely give her a brighter future than being captured by Erickson. With no explanation, it puts her in a very rough position because the way that half of her parents handle her abilities is, is a bit harsh. It's a bit rough, you know? Ooh, talk about I hate the dad. We're gonna get into it, but I hate the dad. I hate that motherfucker. He's immature, right? Like for a father, I feel like he's a little immature. Like he's getting he's getting into name calling fights with his daughter. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I wouldn't even if I had a child, I'm not about to argue with my child. You're gonna do what I say for a car. I'm about to argue with you. Go to your room. No. 
<laughs> ridiculous. We get a montage of Samantha growing up and developing an interest in the atomic structure of things. This freaks her parents out who think something's wrong with her. One day, Samantha's babysitter finds out that Samantha is basically a genius when it comes to molecules. This only makes her parents more concerned because she doesn't display anything like exceptional reading skills to be able to understand such complex scientific, uh, you know, concepts, which I think is interesting, right? Like she's super good at molecules, but like can't read past her, her grade level. She can't, you know, she's not doing math right. past her grade level. She just has an in, in intricate, yeah, and, and, and everything else. <laughs> she just has a very intricate understanding of these molecules. And again, without any real reason given to them, the parents don't know what the hell is going on. And, and I thought that was weird. Like on the parents, like if you don't know what your kid is doing, you should do everything you can to try to understand your child instead of just writing them off as something, you know, is that and the biggest me? I'm thing, not a parent, but that's no, just no, no, passion in me. I think, I think it's very important. And this is kind of my beef, my, my longest running beef in comic book movie history with Pa Kent from Man of Steel. I feel like in a scary situation like that, it's the parent's job to be brave. Because the kid doesn't know nothing that's going on, has absolutely no clue, and you already know that they're going to be scared. So to be scared before they get scared, it seems a bit iffy. And what are you scared of? You're scared of how other people are going to interpret this? The person that that you're looking at is who you love. That should be the most important person in this entire equation. Not what the guy across the street is saying or not what, you know, uh, should should I have I let those kids drown? Well, maybe. Like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? <laughs> craziness. Absolutely craziness. Um, and, and like we were just talking about, her father decides that she's not gifted. She's just weird. That's the words that come out of his mouth when she's not around. And that seems a bit harsh. That wasn't brought up out of anger or anything. It was brought up out of frustration, I guess, not being able to understand her. But just to out and out and say that your kid is weird feels wrong. <laughs> Again, not it a parent, is. but... But like, what the hell, you know, wrong to you because of whatever your upbringing is. And obviously it's not that great that you're willing to abandon your, um, uh, you know, whoever your uh, child is for any little given reason. Um, but yeah, I don't like that guy. I think you're a hundred percent right about that. Um, but when he finds out that the neighbors have been talking about her, then he decides he's going to sign her up for a school for gifted children. Um, basically to get her out of the neighborhood, which again, super jacked. We're going to bus her to a whole nother school so that the neighbors don't talk about how weird she is because she's outside staring at trees, God forbid. <laughs> it's ridiculous, bro. Bruv. So wrong. I, I, um, and Brandyworth is watching from a distance. Not scary at all. Not, not, not stalkerish or scary at all. Brandyworth is just watching the development of this small child from a distance. Nothing wrong with that at all. Just perfectly normal. It's no. fine. No, I, I wish they showed more of, of what he was doing because, like, to live on the streets for that amount of time watching someone grow up, like, how did he survive? Like, and he would also have to avoid all the places that they would look for him. He simultaneously has to stay off the grid while also trying to survive while also staying off the grid. <laughs> Like my man was whole ass Obi Wan Kenobi watching Luke. Yeah, because we go through a moment later on where Eve goes looking for him and doesn't find him at any other spots that she would think a homeless man would be. So right. he has to avoid free food, free clothes. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. 
It's a whole lot. I think it's for super years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least, at least fifteen, seven, sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's get back into it because she's about to go to a, a new school. Um, the next thing we see is Erickson's backup plans for the lost specimen. Another child experiment only known as phase two, whose body grossly mutates out of his control. Erickson remarks that the experiment is a failure and still looks to re- replicate what he created with Samantha. Talk to me about phase two, bro. What do you think about this blonde sort of? I, <laughs> when I first saw him, I was like, oh, experiment 626. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah right. But when I saw him, I was like, okay, we have a Weapon X Plus program here. Of course, you, the U.S. government has some clandestine group of scientists and engineers working to make super soldiers. Of course they do. Why not? I mean, this is a comic book-based thing. But yeah, I, I, was, I was shocked, I guess, uh, how different from Eve to these new batch of... Um, weapons i guess that they made like they couldn't they, they didn't get close to old brady works formula like no. at all <laughs> no and the kids seemingly are in pain or at least this one right yeah like oh my god when it oh lord god it's coming back to me how they all just perished the lord That's the thing. whenever they're not in whenever they're not being yelled at for not being perfect they are shoved into tubes and and sent there to be like in a weird stasis uh and yeah, my man is basically trying to create something incredibly dangerous um, so that he can sell it to the government, some sort of government weapon, because that's what Eve was supposed to be this entire time. Thank God she wasn't, because that there, there are the certain things I believe the U.S. government isn't just isn't allowed to have. And one is a, a super being. I mean, you know, what? it depends on who's who's the president at the time. <laughs> yeah, because. Yeah. Because you can send someone over to stop some shit, but like, is that in the best interest of the world or is that the best interest of America? Right. No, 100%. She would have been like a Dr. Manhattan. She would have just been coming through and, you know, uh, just swafting everything. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Blowing folks the hell up. Uh, but, you know, things are, things seem to be getting a bit better for Samantha because she makes yeah. a new friend from across the street and they stay friends for years. Things are still rough at home as an argument gets heated, causing Sam's dad to call her a freak. Bad parenting. <laughs> Bad, Bad parenting. Bad parenting one on one, man. Like I He's like, that's why you go to that, that freak dad. school, because you're a freak, right? And I'm like, what the hell? I was like, yo! <laughs> and, then, and then the mom, the mom is enabling. She didn't yeah. say nothing. She didn't say, like, watch your mouth or something. Like, I wish. I would say that to my child and not expect like a backhand to the back of the head, like or something like like I knew you have to know that you're out of pocket talking to your child like that. Later yeah. on, we get the 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 just the black and white kind of heavy handed. Why can't you just be normal? Kind of, you know, she almost straight up says it, uh, which is I assume a statement heard from many a youth nowadays. As I believe that the social um, the social landscape has changed so greatly in the last. 10 15 years you gotta imagine some guy in 2005 was like i'm gonna play video games and stream for a living and somebody was like why don't you just be normal you know and some guy's like i'm gonna do 30 minute comedy sessions on this app and i'm just gonna put it out and that's what we're gonna do for a job it's like why don't you just be normal what's normal what was considered normal a long time ago that has completely changed for good bad or indifferent we live in a different world 
Yeah. And the idea that you're not going to sympathize with your child just because times have changed, it's heartbreaking because they hope to that you are able to hold their hand and lead them through this very confusing world. Very, very, very confusing world. Um, and I feel like her dad's kind of abandoned her in that journey. He's kind of let go of her hand and, and sort of said, well, you, you figure it out because you're weird. And that's, that's Jack. It's jacked up, man. Absolutely bad parenting. One. Bad parenting. One. Uh, upset. Sam goes into her room and cries. It's at this moment she realizes that she has the power of subatomic transmutation, meaning she can reconfigure the Powerful. atomic construction of any physical matter into anything else. She shows her best friend this, knowing she can confide in her, but this only freaks her out, and they literally stop being friends. My heart broke, bro. Same, because I, I was like, yo, cut. Like, do you think I, she came on too hard? What do you think it was? I... I think it, I think that was, I, mean, I think that the, 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 her friend is her friend is weird because any any person with a best friend who got powers we all saw that yeah. movie uh with um with Genki, the bro, that, uh Spider Man Spider Man's homeboy right hey Ned hey Ned I got powers that's amazing how can I help is usually is usually what right? happens that's, next like dude if if my best friend got powers I'm gonna do we're taking over the world we're taking over the world. Taika, Taika Watiti in Green Lantern. Taika Watiti is Ryan Reynolds' friend in Green Lantern, and he's like, "How can I help? Like, what do I, what do I do? You know?" And that's usually the answer. But in this case, it was like, "Yeah, I, you, I, we were better when you when I didn't know that about you." And uh, basically, freaks her out to the point that they don't even talk. And what breaks my heart is, I think, like when you're that age, and when you're super old, losses of a friendship like that can change your entire life. Your, your identity Facts. is tied with the people you're able to express your life experience with. There, there's going to be some lone wolf moments in your 20s and your 30s, et cetera, before you start a family and things, you know, continue and progress. And then you'll get to a point where you're old and your circle gets small again. And those, like, I remember, this is a crazy tangent, but I remember uh, there's an episode of Better Call Saul where he is trying ah. to guilt an old woman into doing something. So to do so, he starts spreading rumors amongst her old friends and they stop hanging with her. And you just see like, like they're walking across the street and like, she'd be like, Hey, and they like put their hands down and you know, and because she doesn't Damn. know why they're not messing with her anymore, she gets very sad. And I'm just like, Dan, like, again, you, you, sometimes people don't understand how important these interpersonal relationships are. Until you take them away. And this is all Eve had. She had nothing at home. She knew what she was getting at when she got home. She couldn't show any of her powers at school and was definitely um, discouraged from ever showing anyone else after the Val situation. If Val didn't didn't accept her, why would she roll the dice on anybody else? You know, that was supposed to be her homie. So uh, it, it, it's a small moment. And though Val, although she deserves better than Val, it's heartbreaking to see her lose her. Like to the point point of like being ignored across the street. Like, hey Val, like nothing. It's it's heartbreaking stuff. Right, especially when they were just standing like that like like five feet apart at the bus stop, not talking for like that's months rough, bro. and then years. I was like, yo, that that that's real. Cause that yeah, I've seen that. It's happened to me. Like yeah. you be friends with someone, then something happens next day, y'all just not cool no more. 
and then y'all just outside each other and then now y'all strangers and then y'all just don't know each other no more like that and that's when you already feel like a freak possibly for having acne or being short or not having the best hair she has superpowers (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, if you thought you felt awkward, like she feels like an absolute freak in this instance, and is kind of being told that by the people who love her the most. So right. it, it's a lot. It's a lot of trauma at a at a young age. Um, so she uh, both being both ostracized at home and at school. Samantha begins to lose interest in everyday regular life. She attempts her powers on a squirrel, trying to turn it into a puppy, but it doesn't work. Thank Suddenly God. she sees. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was wondering what she was trying to do. Thank God they gave her the line, like, turn into a puppy or something like that. Because I thought she was just trying to, like, explode it. I thought, like, we were at the, like, yeah. uh, I thought we were at the uh, magnifying glass and ants sort of uh, <laughs> moment here. Where she's like, you know what? Freak everything. And it starts with the animals, right? That that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer shit starts with the animals first. So I was like, I was really trying to see where this was all going. Um, and we see our old, dirty, unkempt man watching her from afar, and she's unaware that it is Brandyworth. Um, that night, out of boredom, she makes a mask to hide her identity and sneaks out to explore the city and use her powers. She creates a floating disc she can use to ride through the air and has a blast mastering this new skill and even managing manages to stop a robbery. Brandyworth shows up and promises to explain where she came from. He says that her parents are not her real parents and that he made her. He was the assistant director of the Pentagon's Department of Superhuman Research, who has been on the run to protect his greatest project, Samantha herself. He explains Samantha has limitless potential and was meant to be the government's greatest weapon. He mentions her ability to feel things at the atomic level and see molecules. He also explains that he put a safeguard so he can't, she can't change people or animals. She asks Thank why he... you. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And we see, we see what... Uh, can happen without these safeguards, without these things in place with the, with her siblings. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. Um, she ex- she asks why he turned up now, and he mentions to her that her using her superpowers might alert the government to the fact that she's still alive. If the military discovers she isn't dead, they will come after her. He begs her not to use her powers anymore, but she doesn't seem convinced, so she flies away only to be caught on a drone's surveillance footage. She sneaks back in, startling her worried mother, who shows frustration over not being able to understand her. This is the why can't you just be normal uh, scene. And I will say that the actress playing the mother did show like visible frustration, right? When she's like, damn, I just need you to try harder or something like that. Like, you know, um, but it's rough. And that's so weird for me. Like, I like you. I, I mean, there's almost 8 billion people on this planet, so that means there's like 8 billion different personalities, but certain personalities can be just all grouped together. He could have been better as a mom. Like, you could have accepted your child as she is and just encouraged her to be all that she can be, but no. You enabled your husband. You let her you you feel lesser than herself. You don't there's really a bit her. of... Yeah, there's a here? bit of like... There's a bit of like, why can't you stop annoying my husband? Yes. Right? Like, why can't you not be an issue? And like, what is it like ch- children are better, like not not seen and not heard or whatever, or seen and not heard kind of situation. Yeah. She's like, why can't you just be something that doesn't bother us? <laughs> you know? Messed up. Messed up. I'm like, if you a parent, kids won't bother you regardless. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like. 
they they just couldn't handle it, I guess. But like me, I I'd be ecstatic if my child had powers. Like we will be the new emperors of this mud ball. It almost makes the scene where they get Eve even more like sadly poetic because they were crying for this child. They were crying for a child to be alive that they could take home. And when given that opportunity, and again, Eve, I think besides having powers not to be understood is a polite, well-mannered, smart, kind child. You know, she's not breaking things just to break things. She's acting out, but because she's not being understood. But past that, like they, they seem to be putting their hands up, and it's not that big of a deal in my opinion. Like I, I just can't understand you, and I'm like, did you try? I don't think you guys like, did. Try. Y'all try? Yeah. Like uh, they do that in um uh, the Simpsons. The uh, Ned's parents take him to a therapist because oh. he's he's all flipping out and breaking things and kind of like cussing under his under his breath, and they're like what have you guys done and, and the parents go we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas and i'm like yeah this is basically what happened here <laughs> they've tried nothing but they're also out of ideas uh which is spells bad for miss uh miss adam eve uh, that night out of board oh we did that yes she did the floating disc thing they told her about uh that she can't change animals um talk yeah uh while look uh, oh, and then she cries herself to sleep. That's jacked up. Erickson reviews the drone footage and it is certain that the flying woman is the specimen he lost years ago. While looking for Brandyworth, Eve does battle with Kill Cannon. Kind of looks like KG Beast a little bit. Um, a little bit. <laughs> and the uh, KG Beast and... um uh, Yeah, no, this KG Beast. I forgot <laughs> it. I, it, it. Someone else, but I just forgot him. Oh, Claw. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you Claw. I'll give you Claw. Um, even though she's fairly new at this, she shows some skill. And what I say is what's worse is some relentlessness. Knowing what she can do when she gets mad in, in combat, I get a little bit afraid. Same. She was powerful. I I love the trope of the, the montage of when the kid gets the powers and they just go exploring and using their powers and just seeing what yeah. they can do. She she knew then on when she made that flying disc that she was fighting on that she she was she was strong and fighting yeah. fighting old KGB's uh, archetype looking motherfucker. Yeah, he knew from then on. <laughs> Even when she stopped the robbery and she turned those guys' hats or helmets or masks into like steel, and they their heads just <laughs> went down to the ground. You know, like um, there's an eagerness to test these boundaries, oh, and yeah. she has an anger in her from the resentment she's been given. Uh, and usually that spells disaster. So I was a bit cautious as to where this was going to go. Um, but yeah, she is able to stop Kill Cannon and then Brandyworth shows up. Because he's like, he has like a spider sense or something, right? Every time she seems to be doing one of these things, um, you know, she develop, she is able to disable the villain. But he shows up, he scolds her again for using her powers. She introduces herself as Atom Eve and mentions that she's a badass, but he still thinks that she should use caution. They discuss her parents over a burger. This broke my heart because they're like, uh, she's like, what was my mom? And like some like smart scientist. And he's like, yeah, she was a colleague. She was a she's colleague a of mine. She's my lab assistant. And then they show it and she's just a homeless pregnant woman on the street that he paid to experiment on. Like that's super dark. Cause you know, like she would have, she would have just been cattle at that point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So Super yeah, dark. 
really, really dark. Um, he monitored her, and they became close. And he promised her that she wouldn't, that Samantha wouldn't grow up in a lab alone. She went to labor too early to escape, but Brandyworth did what he could to give Sam a normal life. This conversation is interrupted by sirens, so Adam Eve goes to investigate. She sees a standoff between the police and a group of grotesque mutated children with various abilities. The group are like living zombies and are breaking down as the result of constant experimentation. When one dies in front of her, Eve demands they explain themselves. How gnarly was those effects of like just it literally felt like the stress of them living for too long just caused them to evaporate. What do you think about the animation style there? I was digging it because it was something it's something like I said before, like Marvel doesn't do it or DC doesn't do it because Invincible is taking those beats from anime that just brings those fight scenes or cinematography, the, the choreography to life that gives weight to each action movement line that these characters are delivering. Yeah. I was all for it. As soon as as soon as she clapped, she clotheslined one of them into her car, and they reformed himself, and then started to fall apart. I was like, "Oh, the powers are burning yeah. them out. They can't survive outside the tube. All the yeah. unstable molecules, just all the things." Yeah, and the thing is, we've again. Why you would think that I would be like, "Oh, I've seen it," because this is this is comic books one hundred and one, right? How yeah. many villains have been created as a result of trying to recapture the cap? Uh, you know, stuff, the oh Hulk stuff, God, or the Weapon Hulk X stuff, of it all. The Wolverine stuff, right? Yeah. How 100%. many of them are? <laughs> We've seen it a million times before. Only one specimen was able to withstand, you know, the toxicity or intensity or whatever it is of what they try to experiment with, and everybody else is a failure. Um, and Eve, who isn't too... Um, who doesn't really feel like she belongs, is about to find out that she does have a second family. Might be the most jacked up one, though. Um, because <laughs> the, the leader phase two explains that they are all siblings, all created to be improvements on the formula that made Samantha what she is. She is phase one. Believing that makes her superior, Eve goes to battle with her so-called siblings who have incredible dexterity and durability. Soon Eve is outnumbered, but she uses her skills and intelligence to take them down one by one, which enrages phase two as he sees his fellow experiments dying due to the stress of the battle. Eve uses her powers to create a mech suit of sorts, uh, but the fight spills out into the freeway, endangering civilians. This is when I started getting stressed out because phase <laughs> two is actively trying to chase and beat her up. And he, she's like, bro, we're, we'll die. Like there's cars and shit. And he's like, I don't, what do what I care? I don't give a damn. And I'm like, oh, we, we there. We there. We literally, like, this yeah, is we, again, we crossed that line. Cliche freeway fight, but I'm still here for it. You know, it's 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 right there, throwing the cars and everything, trying to save the civilians. It's all there. Um, so the whole fight, but, I like the way she. I love how quickly she grasped on how quick she can use her powers because it's all imagination. She, like you said yeah. before, them energy constructs. She was making uh like bridges for cars. When they throw a car, she grabs the car, gets the the civilians out and whip it right back at them in one swift yeah. motion. I'm like, that's anime right there. And she's got no training. No one has sat down and told her how to do any of this stuff. This is all her ingenuity. This is all her heart. This is all her brain. Um, yeah. I also I like when they have her pinned down on the road, and then she's like, "What road?" And she literally makes the road <laughs> disappear, and they fall down. Like the world and reality is what she wants it to be, which is very much why the government wants her. Um, 
Phase two explains his frustrations of always hearing how perfect Eve was and how imperfect he and his siblings were. Um, him and, and another experiment pummel Eve. And that's true. Like all the violence in this. At one point, she has like a gash in her shoulder, like a it's just like yeah. a chip taken out of her whole like, ass shoulder. I I completely closed, mouth and nose bleeding. They jumped her. They say, fight back. Fight yeah. back. Let's fight back. Fight back. <laughs> like they were yeah, Jane just, her. Bro, it was so crazy. They're just sitting there pummeling on her, and I'm like, "This is, this is a lot." What do you think about when old boy like used his hand to grab pieces of rock? Like he just he morphed his hand into like being like this goo and just attacked. It's like almost when you punch the glass with the taped hands, and yeah. I have my hand the glass. And he just <laughs> beat her with this club of a of a of a hand covered in rocks. I'm sitting there like, "Damn, this is this is kind of the invincible mm-hmm. I remember. This is the the, right? the stakes that I remember." Um, they, yeah, they're beating on her and they're pummeling on her until a car randomly hits one of them and leaves phase two alive. The driver was Brandyworth, who was thrown from the vehicle, but is saved by Adam Eve. Desperate, Eve asks Brandyworth why she can't do what they do. And he explains he put a safeguard in place with her and wasn't around to do the same with them. Phase two literally breaks down in front of Eve, almost evaporating in her arms. He says he says a tearful goodbye and passes away, and Sam passes out from exhaustion. Erickson shows up and has the two apprehended and brought to his lab. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I was like, we avoided it this whole ass time, and then it's gonna happen now. Damn. Um. So. Yep. Brandyworth begs Erickson to let Eve go. Even promising he'll make another. I'm like, bro, that's a hell of a promise. <laughs> you know, just make another right. one. Don't even worry about it. We see Eve is restrained, uh, but she tries to plead with Erickson to leave Brandyworth alone. When Erickson refuses, she breaks out of her restraints like nothing. I love how the guy's like, well, I I assumed that they would work. They were, they were, they were, you know, he said they, they are. I did say they were theoretical. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what do you want me to do? Um, so I thought that was really, really uh, funny. And like I said, weird, poignant, funny moments in this. Uh, so that her breaking out of restraints, though, causes Erickson to point a gun at Brandyworth. He also has a surprise. Again, when I think that this show can't get dark enough, when I think that whatever I've seen on the screen, I'm like, all right, I'm already digging in. I, I don't need no more motivation for anything. I'm Gucci. They, they unearth and reveal the reanimated brain dead body of her mother hooked up to tubes bro i'm like what is this show doing absolutely everything on paper was bad enough already like i'm already on her (laughs) side you know you don't need to do anything else i'm already on her side i already want erickson to die i'm down with brandy we're being part of this weird hodgepodge family whatever the hell this whole situation but no they want to throw gasoline on that fire of emotion it makes us hate them even more using her brain dead mom as a breeding machine yeah just to pump babies out And then, like, uh, Brandyworth, who, again, for whatever reason, did fall for Eve's mother. You know, he flips out. He's like, oh, she was still alive? And they're like, well, not really. Uh, You know, she was was brain dead, but she was only ever useful for one reason anyway. And, like, just the callous nature in which all of that is said, Brandyworth flips the hell out um, because this is literally sickening. And he goes on to... uh, kind of jump on 
Erickson, which causes Erickson to shoot his gun, um, which manages to not only kill the mother because he shoots like the the um, the tube that she's in, and she gets shot and she dies. But he Bro, accidentally, oh my god, yeah, he accidentally sh- shot Brandyworth as well. That so, one caught me. That one got me off guard. I was like, "Yo, you shot him in the head." I remember it happening, right? But when it happened, um, when it when I when I saw it for a second time and wrote it down, I was like, "Wow!" Like all in one moment. And not only that, all this is in one day. This entire all that he's been dealing with, he's been dealing with in this one day. He had a rougher day than Thor. (laughs) Yeah, man, this is some bonkers stuff. So. Um, my girl goes full Phoenix mode because she ain't trying to hear nothing from nobody. <laughs> Distressed over losing an entire family she never knew in a single day, and she mind wipes Erickson. She goes like, "I am Eve, Samantha Eve Wilkins, and like I dare you <laughs> to come looking for me or to remember to that I even exist." And then boom, wipes their minds, and I'm like, "Damn!" I was kind of thinking that she was breaking the um the safeguard. Right, I, was, I, was, I, was, I thought she was too. I. I I literally was about, I was fearing for the earth when she went off Phoenix mode. I was super concerned as to what they, what she was going to do to these men. Given, uh, given her anger and her ability, <laughs> super duper, duper, duper scared. Um, but yeah, she kind of just lets him go. Once, once she, she wipes his mind. Um, she goes back home, sick to her stomach over the day's events, only to realize that she missed a birthday party created by her parents. Um, I, here's a question for you. What do you think What's it up? was about the cake being eaten that flipped her out? Just the just the disrespect. Like, I couldn't wait. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the cake like, is for cake. me, right? The cake is for the <laughs> event. If you're, if you're eating the cake... You've almost taken the more importance of the cake than it is uh, her getting the cake, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally, that's literally what it is. Because uh, you're, like, you're supposed to present it to her and all that so she can like eat it and blow out the candles, but y'all ruin that. Y'all take that away by eating it. <laughs> I do feel like it's a small transgression, but that transgression on top of everything she dealt with that day speaks so much. That was the last straw for her. Definitely. It speaks so much as to what, as to her value in that family, you know, um, and they kind of chew her out and she's like, you know what? I got to go. And the way that they're able to voice act that, like, you could just tell she's, she's like over it. Like she's, she's exhausted, tired, frustrated, heartbroken, all of it. And she just decides to go upstairs and kind of deal with it on her own. Um, and I like while that she's, scene. Go ahead. Oh, no. You, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, while she's walking away, he says, like it or not, we're the only family you got. Uh, she gets into her room and using her powers, she transforms a picture of her and the Wilkins into her and her experimental siblings, Brandyworth yeah. and her mother. That was that um, I was about to say. I love, I love that moment when she turned her family photo into her actual family photo. Yeah. It's also super dark because they never like the, it looked like the kids before they got experimented on. Yeah, which was that like you just said, super dark. I was like, oh my god, that's what they would have looked like. That's what they were supposed to look like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, and U.S. government, a, you ain't shit. 
I think that's a perfect word too, supposed to. Like all of the, what was Leave's life supposed to be? And I think she's still trying to figure that out because the one that she's living ain't making her happy. The people that she's with ain't making her happy. I want to say, maybe they even do it in the series, but I know specifically in the comics, doesn't she just leave? I feel like in the comics, at one point she just bounced, went to another country for a bit, lived there on her own. I vaguely remember her being a humanitarian for a little bit because she had the powers and she's yeah. like, She's like, what am I doing at home with them? Like, I don't need to yeah. be Samantha. There's no, there's no, the world doesn't need Samantha at all. <laughs> like another regular girl. So I'm going to be Adam Eve and I'm going to go around and save the world. Um, uh, so yeah, super dense, super dark, still had some heart, definitely had some spectacle with the fights. And then we meet the debut of Duct Tape Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, this is what Mark Grayson was up to. <laughs> and we see Mark Grayson trying out superhero names in case he gets his powers, which his parents doubt he will. And in a master class, we see his father, Omni Man's happy dad facade slip away momentarily to reveal a more sinister side. And then even that slips away to reveal a tragic side. And just those just all those emotions and the, emo- and the emotions, I said, damn, because you see it in like, like, oh, I'm the happy dad. And then he gets angry. Like, how dare this woman think she could just boss me around? And then like, they don't know what's to come. They don't know what what all this is for. And, and right. And then he and then him like, I actually love her. I like her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can't believe what I'm going to have to do kind of stuff. And wow. Wow. Again, this might have been the sequel. I mean, the sequel, the cure for uh, origin storyitis, because I really dug this, even though there's some there's certain things that I think have been done before. But be, besides making this, they didn't give this the squeaky clean sequel that I feel like the, the formulaic sequel that a lot of people get. Very right. few origin stories deal with parents that don't dig their superhero kid. You know, it's usually that they're very kid few origin stories have parents in them at all. <laughs> That's true as well. <laughs> That's true as well. And it's easy, not easy, partially easy to write a story where they don't have parents um, and then they could wonder what life would be like with them. But what happens when you have ones that don't accept you? That's almost seemingly worse than not having them, right? Because uh, it's one thing to not to have the void of that guidance, the void of that support and that void of that love, you know, to have that empty hole. But they're actively shoving poison in that hole <laughs> like you know like it's bad enough that you don't she don't have that love but they're even pu- putting poisonous ideas in her mind like she's not normal and um that she's a freak and she goes to a freak school because she's a freak uh i hope that dad trips down the stairs and lands on a fork or something like that so exactly he, he hits his balls on the bottom stair before he falls or something yeah what a perfect I, what a what a perfect tease though for invincible season two i'm super hyped to have this thing return same. I hope they do more of uh, these spinoffs. I really yeah. hope they do. I'm really, I'm really, I uh, hope they might do Rex Flow. Like his origin is really tragic. Oh, if yeah, you read it is. It. Yeah, Rex Flow is pretty oh, rough. Oh, my God. Rex Flow. Um, <laughs> and it, I think it would even, wholly explain why he's an asshole. <laughs> you could also do, is it Alan the Alien? Oh, yeah, him too. Could just, Alan could, could get an origin too. You know, because he he bulks up and starts joining the the galactic like force and all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. there's some pretty interesting stuff there. Um, the the series itself 
did garner spinoffs. You know, they did spinoff stories for the teams. They eventually becomes a new Invincible. It's a whole thing. So um, mm-hmm. I really want to see if Amazon is willing to crack open all the lore that is Invincible and go to the gooey uh, goodness that's inside. But uh, we'll have to wait until season two drops for that to happen. And you know, oh. we'll be around. We'll be around for it because we're around each and every week as part of the Major Issues podcast. Knock on vibranium. Uh, on occasion, things- <laughs> knock on vibranium. I try, bro. Now, on occasion, uh, we might miss an episode here or there due to complications. Where I'm actively recording this episode about eight hours removed from a hurricane that hit uh, my town not too long ago. So sometimes the scheduling might not be right. Sometimes the attitude, me personally, might not be right as far as uh, <laughs> getting caught up and dealing with this. But this is a labor of love. We do do this free of charge each and every week as a uh, level of enjoyment where I take enjoyment in it. I know A-Rob does, and we provide enjoyment free of charge to you guys each and every week. Uh, And you can thank us in many ways. If you have disposable money that you'd like to give us, uh, you can do it by giving us money by going to our Public store. Um, You can get that at www.comicbookclick.com. You hit that Shop CBC link, and you can buy some merchandise based on all kinds of cool comic book concepts, all designed by me. Um, if you, you know, you buy a shirt on there and we get a kickback, it's not a lot, but that does help, uh, keep the lights on here. So consider buying a piece of merch and we get a a little bit of money there. If you want to give the money directly to us, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash CBC clubhouse for as little as 10 cents a day, $3 a month. You can help us afford the hardware and the software that we need to keep providing you guys free content. I've got some ideas brewing up. Invincible is available on Amazon prime, which means that through Twitch, we are able to do watch parties. So I am heavily considering not only doing a watch party for Invincible Season 2, but maybe possibly doing a recap watch party for Invincible Season 1. Get everybody hey. on the, uh, you know, get everybody on the on the same page when it comes to that. Um, but look out for stuff. Look out for stuff and news like that. And if you want to look out for that stuff, you got to be contacted with us all through social media, facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books, comic book media. Don't forget, we're at Major Issue CBC on Twitter and at Major Issue CBC on Twitch. And if you know where the Major Major Issues podcast is, you know, available on every podcast app around the globe, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify, and more. Whatever app you listen to us to, rate and review us. I would love it if you rate and review us on iTunes. It's the biggest podcast directory. But wherever you're catching this episode, rate and review this podcast so that other people can be recommended it and we can find the audience that I know is out there looking for us. Pretend that the other ratings don't count. Five-star us all the way. We're both five-star men, and this is a five-star cast. So consider giving us five stars. Uh, so like I said, we can find other like-minded individuals that want to be tackling the latest and greatest uh, that comes to comic books and comic book media like we are here doing. What are you up to over there, A-Rob? What are you getting into? Man, I'm getting to just this Marvel snap. <laughs> Oh snap! That's all I've been getting into. Is just playing Marvel Snap, man. It's it's Marvel's mo- newest mobile game. I said it before. I say it again. It's highly addictive. If you love collecting, I was just about to say newest games, addictive game, right? <laughs> it's so addictive. They recently just had a Twitch tournament, and and it's been going. The following has been crazy. Y'all can follow me on Twitch at Omega Avenger Twenty Six. 
You can follow me on all the social medias at A Rob the Marvel God. That's A Y Y R O B the Marvel God. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and like I said, follow us on social media. We started this year with a little under ten thousand followers on our Facebook. We have just broken sixteen thousand as of this uh, recording. So we're on track to double our numbers in a single year, and that's thanks to everyone who's listening to the podcast, sharing our posts, and uh, following us throughout our social media. Um, it's a banner year. Uh, we're seemingly just starting to get things right. Only took us a couple years, but I'm loving it. I'm loving the energy. I'm loving the support, and I'm loving the CBC family that we've built. So be, continue being a band, uh, a family member. Get on the bandwagon before the bandwagon gets full. Because I've been to the future where uh, you know the latest and greatest thing has come to complex comic book media. We're number one. I just can't tell you how we get there because it messes up the timeline. And the next thing you know, something, something, Dwayne Johnson. And no one wants any of that. So just make sure <laughs> that you're following us everywhere. Comicbookclick.com will link you literally to everything that we do but just google us comic book click i'm very happy we do come up on google same thing with the major issues podcast but we will see you guys uh next week where i don't know we'll be tackling but my name is george serrano aka the don and i'm a rob the marvel god and this has been our invincible adam eve special presentation recap and review and remember it's important to revel in what you are remember we are the fireflies forever follow the light and it will always lead you home always remember that you are part of the click and absolutely always remember that you yes you are worthy